get right to it. Let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this privilege of studying your word today. We know something good happens when you go to church on a Sunday morning. Something wonderful takes place when we praise you and magnify you and we open up this amazing book called the Bible. Our our questions get answered. We're challenged. We have wisdom and strategy, direction, hope for the future. And we thank you for it, Father. So thank you for, for transforming us today. Thank you for answering our questions today. Thank you for giving us exactly what we need for today and for the week ahead of us. We give you praise, glory, and honor for it all because we can't do any of this without you. We'll give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, the last three weeks have been phenomenal. Pastor Josh started the series off in the first two weeks, and, and didn't he do an outstanding job? Absolutely, he did a great job presenting to us the very heart of God about how no perfect people are allowed and the heart of God and our heart for us here as a church. And so when you see him out in the lobby today, make sure you thank him for the great job that he did. And last week we talked about um, there's a miracle in you. Be the miracle. I hope this week was the week that you became a miracle for somebody else. Because there's a miracle waiting to happen that's inside of you. You are somebody else's answered prayer. And today we're going to talk about a very important subject called Ask Big. Ask Big. I'm going to take a few minutes today and lay a foundation before I even get to our main point. So, so bear with me for a few moments as I open up what I believe is a powerful point today that'll prepare us for Easter services. But before we do that, let's get right to our main point today. Here's our big takeaway. Here's what I want you to go home with today. God can make things happen you could never make happen. He's already placed abundance in your future. Take the limits off God and ask big. Take the limits off God and ask big. You see, when God laid out the plan for your life, he didn't put in it just enough for you to struggle by. He didn't put in it just for you to be able to endure. No, God put everything in it that you would need. Why? Because God is a God of abundance. Now think about it, it's that way throughout the entire Bible, all the scriptures point to this fact being true. You see, when Jesus multiplied the little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fishes, how many know thousands of people were fed? And there was how many baskets left over? Twelve basketfuls of leftovers. How many know that's a lot of doggy bags, Right? Now, the interesting thing I want to point out to you is Jesus asked the disciples to count everybody that was there. Now, if it was his desire to just do enough, Jesus would have made enough multiplication of that little boy's lunch, just enough to feed everybody and send them home. But that was not God's plan. God's plan was not just to give them enough. God's plan was to give them more than enough. So there was 12 basketfuls left over. That was by design. God knows that there is something in our future that needs to take place, and he's prepared it for us, amen, every step of the way. Davis, the psalmist said, my cup runs over. 
What does that mean? God's a God of abundance. God is more than you need. Yes, we should always thank God that our needs are supplied. Yes, we should always be grateful for what we have. But we need to learn how to tap into God's nature Learn how to tap into God's nature and quit leaving so much on the table that belongs to his children. We're leaving so much that's still available to us. God wants to go beyond your needs. God wants to go beyond what you think. Amen. He wants you to have an abundance so you can be a blessing to others because just enough or barely making it by is not your destiny. It's not God's plan for your life. That's not how God prepared you for your today and for your tomorrow. This is where the Israelites totally missed it. Listen very carefully. The Israelites were in slavery for so long that they were conditioned for not even enough to get by. That's how they lived. They lived their lives over, you know, 400 years of slavery All they knew was not enough. Now, when Pharaoh got mad at Moses, if you know the story, Pharaoh told his foreman, he said, you tell the Israelites that they have the same amount of bricks they have to make, but we're no longer providing the straw and the hay that they need to make the bricks. I can just hear the Israelites' prayer. Oh, God, please help us meet our quotas. Oh, God, please Help us find the necessary supplies that we need. They prayed from a slavery mentality. They prayed from a mindset that was limited. Instead of asking to be free from their oppressors, they're asking to become better slaves. Instead of praying for what God promised them, a land flowing with milk and honey, amen, they prayed that God would help them function better in their dysfunction. Are you asking today to become a better slave? Just enough to get by? Or are you asking for the abundant overflow, more than enough God that he has for you, more than enough life that God's prepared for you? God says you are to reign in life. Be blessed and not cursed. That whatever your hand touches, not only will you prosper, but you will succeed. Ask God to help you think bigger and think better so you can live a better life. Ask him for your dreams. Ask him for that promotion. Ask him for that blessing on your family. Ask him to propel you into your purpose. Ask him for favor on the job. Ask him for favor in every arena of life. See, God has this plan for you. God has your life set up. God can make things happen that you can never make happen. He's already placed abundance in your future. He's already lined up everything you need. He's already lined up that break that you know you're going to need in the future. He's already lined up the wisdom that you need, the people that you need, the wisdom that you need, the business that you need, the partners that you need, the people that are going to know about you and, and, and make a demand and, 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 and draw from your gifting. And, and God's already setting you up to be in the right place at the right time. There are these divine intersections that God says, I need you to be here at this time, at this place, at this hour, so that you can meet the people that will help catapult 
catapult you into the blessings of God. I don't want you to live in fear and you're stuck inside the house when I want you to be here at the right time, at the right time. Divine assigned connections. God has divine assigned connections waiting for you if you'll just learn how not to limit God. If you'll just quit learning how to pray like a slave and you'll open up your heart and recognize that God's called you, set you apart, crowned you with favor. He's more than enough. He's an abundant God. He's an overflowing God. And all that's waiting for is your boldness to be willing to ask. Amen. Amen. We're asking way too small. We're asking these small prayers to this amazing, amazing God who created the universe and hung the stars. See, but when you get this in your heart, when you understand that the God breathed life into you, you'll never ask the same. Those are powerful thoughts that'll change your life. So you won't just ask uh, just to manage the addiction. You'll ask to be free from your addiction. You won't just ask to pay your bills. No, you'll ask to be totally out of debt so you can be a blessing to others. You won't just ask to get your child, Lord, please put my child on the right path. No, you're going to ask, Lord, yes, get him on the right path. Change his life so that he can make a difference in his generation. Amen. Amen. See, the book of Matthew records stories just like what I'm saying. The book of Matthew records a story as Jesus was walking in a certain village, and, and, and there are these two blind men on the side of the road. All this commotion was going on, and so it got the attention of the blind men, and then they understood Jesus was about to pass them by. And what did they do? They began to cry out, didn't they? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. Did they stay quiet? No, no, no. People told them, shh, be quiet. Jesus is coming. They weren't deterred. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. They didn't stay quiet. They, they made more commotion to the point that Jesus heard them, stood in front of them, and asked them a very important question. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Well, you would think, well, that's obvious, Jesus. These boys are blind. They want to see. So why did Jesus ask such an obvious question to two blind men? What do you want me to do for you? Because he wanted to know what they were believing him for. They could always just wanted, Jesus, I just want a more comfortable mat to lay on. Jesus, I want just a few more extra, some cash so I could eat a little bit better. Jesus, I, I just want a safer place to live. Or Jesus, we just want some respect. Give some respect to us disabled people. We just, we just want a, a little bit more respect even though we're blind. We want to be treated more humanely. Wow. See, if they would have asked from a limited mentality, they would have still been living in their defeat. Amen. But Jesus knew because they answered this question, what do you want from me? They said, not a new mat, not more money, not a safer place to live, not a little bit more respect. What did they say? We want to see. We want our eyesight back. And Jesus knew immediately they were believing for the impossible. Jesus knew immediately, man, these guys are asking big. They could ask for anything, and they want to see. They want the impossible to take place. 
Jesus then did what? Touched their eyes and they saw. God is asking us the same question today of us that he asked of the two blind men in the Bible. What do you want him to do for you? How you answer that question determines your destiny. How you answer that question determines what happens from this day forward. How you answer that question determines your business and your family and your, your children and your future children and the blessings that God has in store for you. How you answer that question can determine a ceiling where you don't go or breaks open a ceiling that's always kept you limited. Wow. Don't just say, God, I just want to make it through the year. God, have you seen the prices of apartments lately? God, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this job, but I'm believing you're just going to give me strength to endure. I don't know how I'm going to be able to handle my family situation, but I believe, God, you'll just, you'll just give me the ability to, to kind of you know, go through what I have to go through. See, that's going to limit your destiny. Do what those blind men did. Ask big. Dare to ask big. God, I want to be free from these addictions. God, I want to meet the right person. God, I want my whole family serving you and free. God, I want to start my own business. Ask for your dreams. Even start asking for the impossible. The scripture tells us in James 4, 3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. That word amiss in the original language means sick, weak, miserable. Wow. When you ask to become a better slave, that's a sick prayer. When you ask to get by, to endure, to barely make it, to just kind of hold on to the end, that's a weak prayer. You're praying amiss. God is saying, I created the entire universe. I own it all. Don't come to me with your sick prayers, with your weak prayer, asking me to help you live in mediocrity, to endure the trouble, and to survive another month. See, when you come to me, ask big. When you come to me, know that I'm the God of the universe. I hung those stars that you admire. All that scenery, all that nature, all that amazing beauty that you see, I'm the one who did that. I'm the one who made that happen. I'm the one that'll make a way in the wilderness. I'm the one that'll make a river in the desert. I'm the one that'll come through for you. I'm the one that'll blow your mind. I'm the one that'll cause you to realize, whoa, I didn't realize you were that big. I didn't realize you loved me that much. I didn't realize you were in favor of my success to that degree. Whoa, I never dreamed. Here I was letting so much left on the table when you're asking me to ask big. Wow. I love this today. When you ask big, God calls that a healthy prayer. That's when he says, angels, go to work. Angels, release my favor. Angels, loose those chains. Angels, open up those new doors. Angels, set that mind free. Angels, open up that woman's womb. Angels, you do what you do. Angels, go ahead and pay off that mortgage. 
Go ahead and start that new marriage. Amen. Start that new adventure. That's God. See, when you pray a healthy prayer and you dare to ask big, man, you are tapping into God. You are tapping into heaven. You are tapping into all those miracles that have your name on them. Amen. You are tapping into God's abundance. Amen. Well, pastor, you know, I'm a humble guy. I I just want to, I don't want to pray for too much. You know, I just want God to help me through these tough times. And I'm just hanging in there. And I say respectfully, that's a sick prayer. And you know what? That's a prayer that has the flu. It's a sick prayer. It's a contagious sick prayer. Amen. See, Psalm 2, listen very carefully. Psalm 2 is the perfect understanding verse that, that I'm trying to lay this foundation today. Listen very carefully to Psalm 2, 7 through 9. It says, let me tell you what God said next. He said, you're my son, and today is your birthday. What do you want? Name it. Nations as your present, continents as your prize. You can command them all to dance for you. Notice how big God thinks. Here you are praying for a $2.50 an hour raise. And God wants to give you nations. Here you are praying your small little prayers, thinking you're something else. Simply thinking, man, I might bankrupt heaven with my small sick prayers. We're praying for a promotion, and God wants to give you your own business. You're praying to pay your bills. And God's planning not only to pay your bills, but enable you to pay somebody else's bills. Amen. You're looking for five loaves and two fishes, and God, had all, God all has on his mind 12 basketfuls left over. Are you over here in the five loaves and two fishes? Are you over here believing for the 12 basketfuls of leftovers? Where are you today? It's your choice. God will love you just the same. You'll get to heaven just like the other person will, but on earth, you'll never have exactly the full destiny that God has planned for you. God will love you. God will be merciful to you, but you'll never be able to experience the bigness of his purpose for your life. You'll get to heaven and realize, what? I could have had that. What? You think you could have had a V8? Imagine what you could have had. Imagine what you left on the table. Imagine what you, what you could have had. But only in retrospect you'd think, oh my goodness, I could have had so much more. What does it mean when the Bible says, today is your birthday? On your birthday, more than any other time, of any day of the year, that's a day you feel entitled to something more right? On any other day, you would say, I don't want to make a demand on people. I, I, I don't need what, what, what all these other things. And I, I'm not really asking much throughout maybe the, the rest of the year, but on your birthday, you thought, you know what? I think that new dress would look nice on me. <laughs> you know what? The new set of golf clubs, yeah, I, I can see myself, um, you know, on the golf course with those babies, right? See, normally, you don't want to bother anybody. But on your birthday, it's a whole different story. See, the, over time, the older we get, the bigger the numbers become on our birthday, the less enthusiastic we are about our birthday. Over time, we don't think it's a big deal. 
But think back to when you were a child. You knew it was your special day. Something about that day made you bold to ask mom and dad, grandpa, Grammy, right, the neighbor, ask somebody for something because it's your birthday. I remember a few years back out in the lobby greeting, people were going through line, felt this little tug on my, on my leg. I looked down. It's this most adorable little boy. And he looks up to me and says, good morning, pastor. I said, good morning. He said, guess what? I said, what? Today's my birthday. I said, oh, that's awesome. I got down his level, gave him a big hug. I said, congratulations. How old are you? He said, I'm five-year-old today. <laughs> he went on his way, and I went back to greeting people. It wasn't a few seconds later. I feel the same tap back on my leg again. It's the same little boy. He said, Pastor, guess what today is? As if I forgot, because he only asked, said five seconds before. He said, Pastor, today's my birthday. We went through the whole thing again. Congratulations. Wow. How old are you? Gave him a big hug and off he went. It was not just a few minutes later. I feel that same tap back on my leg again. This time he's not saying what he said before. He looked up at me and said, Pastor, you got a present for me today? He knew it was his birthday. He knew of any other day that was the day to ask Pastor for a present. I was so moved. Whatever I had in my pocket, I gave it to him. It could have been a $100 bill as far as I know, but he melted my heart, and the point was well taken. Come on, somebody, right? The point was well taken. God's saying, when you pray, act like it's your birthday. Come to me with boldness. Ask me to do what you really want me to do. Don't be shy. Don't hold back. Tell me your dreams. Tell me what you're believing God for. Ask of me those secret things that are in your heart. Too often, instead of approaching God like it's our, our birthday, believing that he'll do something special, we just do the opposite. Pastor, I, I can't ask for what I want. That's not right. That's greedy. You know, I was taught I got to be humble, and if God wants to give it to me, it's up to him. If he wants it to give me, I, I can't ask. I, I can't be that bold before God. Well, Luke 12, 32 says, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There's no lack in the kingdom. There's abundance in the kingdom. There's more than enough in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Nothing makes God happier when he sees you stepping up and being bold and dare to use your faith and dare to ask God, amen, his plan for your life. Psalm 2 says, today is your birthday. What do you want? Notice, today is what? But it's in the present. So guess what tomorrow will be? Your birthday. Don't you want your birthday to last like a whole month? Absolutely. A whole year? Well, guess what? Next month, it's still going to be your birthday. Seven years from now, as far as God's concerned, it's still going to be your birthday. Every day, he's going to say to you, son, daughter, it's your birthday. What do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want? What is it that you can be bold about? What is it you can release your faith about? What is it you can do so that I can be a blessing to you? Amen. So you'll have the boldness to ask what you normally wouldn't ask for. 
Here's the reason why I went in this direction today. Listen very carefully. Psalm 2, verse 8 says, Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and the ends of the earth your possession. I laid this foundation about asking big. So you would be bold to ask for your husband's salvation. You'd be bold to ask for your wife's salvation. You'd be bold to ask for your children's salvation. You'd be bold to ask for your siblings' salvation. You'd be bold to ask for your boss's salvation, your coworker's salvation. You'd be bold to ask that crazy guy down the street for his salvation. You'd be bold to ask for that troublemaker that goes to your school for his salvation. You'll be bold to ask for that people group that God put in your heart for their salvation. God will, will give you the boldness to ask for that nation that you have has been on your heart to ask for their salvation. See, take the limits off God and ask big. Another step, what happens when you ask God for the salvation of someone and then you take the next step and then boldly ask that person to come to church with you? What happens? I want you to hear about such a story firsthand. Will you please welcome to the platform, Alan Hardiman. I grew up in a working class neighborhood where everybody knew everything about everyone. We were a pack of happy, smiling kids outside playing baseball and football and street hockey outside until the streetlights came on. Most of us went to the same church. My dad and my friend's dads were all ushers. They were the stars of the show, smiling and shaking hands and hugging. They were the picture of holiness. But outside the church, it was a different story. These same men abused alcohol and were violent, uncaring, and cruel to their wives and children. They derived pleasure in the power that they had over their families, praising God one moment and spewing venom the next, treating acquaintances with affection but their own families with cruelty. This hypocrisy left a terrible taste in my mouth. As a teen, I decided I wanted to be nothing like them and I became completely disenchanted with church. Throughout my high school years, I was bullied for being one of the youngest and the smartest kids in my class. By the end of high school, peer pressure and bad choices led me to experimenting with smoking and drinking and drugs. I still managed, however, to graduate with high honors at the ripe old age of 16. Partying became a big part of my life during college. Drinking and drugs were increasingly important. A night just wasn't complete without putting away a case of beer and a half a dozen joints. It made it much easier for me to socialize if I had a good buzz on. I was the life of the party, at least in my mind. I spent a lot of time in the gym and I got much bigger than the 120 pound scrawny kid who came out of high school. I also came out of high school with a giant chip on my shoulder. And I sought out all of those guys who bullied me back in high school and I demanded either an apology or a fight. As a drunken Irishman, brawling seemed only natural. I enjoyed it, and I was quite good at it. And I felt like I was owed restitution for all those years of abuse at the hands of the bullies and my father. But in truth, I was becoming just like them. I was no longer the likable little kid 
Now I was a brawling, drunken Irishman who drove people away. After a period of time, I met and fell in love with the love of my life, and I decided it was time to settle down and stop partying and become a worthwhile citizen. Sort of. On the outside, I was living the American dream. I had a great job as a mechanical engineer, a beautiful wife, three amazing kids. I had the dog and the cat. I even had a house with a white picket fence. But I still couldn't shake the drug and alcohol habits. So I continued to struggle with who I was and who I was becoming. One day, a good friend called to invite me to church where my sister Bonnie would be singing in the Christmas service. We decided to surprise her, so I came with my family and my enormous VHS video camera so I could hide behind it. Now, my sister had extended numerous vacation, uh, invitations before this, but I was never interested. As soon as I arrived at the church, I quickly realized that this was not like any church that I had ever attended. I was lovingly greeted at the door, and I sensed that people were truly sincere in their love, even to me as a stranger. Bonnie saw us, and she cried her eyes out, and she was up there singing at the top of her lungs. And later, when we met after service, I told her that the service was unbelievable. So you'll be coming back next week, right? And I said, whoa, pump the brakes a little bit. <laughs> she was the one who had all the issues, and she was the one that needed church to be her crutch. But not me. I had it all together. But I liked it enough to come back sporadically over the next couple of months. Then came Easter Sunday, 1990. My family and I came in our Sunday best, and we weren't prepared for what was about to happen. Pastor Jonathan shared a message called Good News from the Grave, and I remember it like it was yesterday. I felt like he was talking directly to me and reading my mail. At the end of the service, he asked if anyone would like to give their heart to Jesus, and I jumped up out of my seat, and I literally ran to the altar, and I think I knocked a couple of people over in the process. <clears throat> and my wife looked at me, and she said, well, if he's going to do this, I'm going too. And it was unlike anything that I had ever experienced in my entire life. My heart and soul were touched in a way that was beyond anything that I could ever put into words. I wasn't quite sure exactly what compelled me to respond in such a way, but I was so happy and grateful that I did. And I didn't care what anybody else thought. As far as I was concerned, there was nobody else in the room except for Pastor Jonathan and me and God. I had an encounter with the God that I had never known before. For the first time in my life, I truly felt his love for me. And from that moment on, everything changed. I had justified my drinking and getting high by using the excuse that I worked hard all day and that I'd earned it and I deserved it. But after that Sunday, all of that completely stopped. For years, I had struggled to be the man that I knew I wanted to be. But now, with God in my life and the Holy Spirit as my guide, it completely changed my perspective. I became secure in my ability to be a better husband and father than my father was to me because I had Jesus on the inside of me. I was no longer an angry, resentful man trapped in a vicious cycle. I was no longer in bondage. I had been forgiven. I was changed by the power of God, and I would never go back to that old way. That in of itself would have been more than enough, but God had even bigger plans for me and my family. 
After a year of regularly attending the church, I decided that I'd join my wife Janice and began to serve in children's church. Believe me, that was the last place I ever thought that I'd be. My attitude was, I love my kids, but your kids, not so much. I didn't realize it at the time, but God was setting me up. He was placing me right where I was supposed to be, smack dab in the middle of my purpose. Ministering to children gave me the type of fulfillment that you can only have when you know you're doing exactly what you were created to do. And over the next two decades, I would serve as IFC's first children's pastor and minister to thousands of children and families alongside my wife and my own kids. Although I no longer serve as the children's pastor, the most rewarding thing for me today is to see kids who were in my kids' church, now as adults and many of them with their own kids, serving here at IFC and living out their purpose. We were given the opportunity to play a part in leading literally thousands of children to the Lord and changing their lives for all of eternity. But make no mistake about it, it was all God. For my part, Mostly, I just listened and obeyed. He used the gifts and talents that I knew I had, along with many more that I didn't know I had until I stepped into his purpose for my life. I had no idea that that Easter Sunday, 1990, would forever change the course of my life. And I now have three amazing adult children and four beautiful granddaughters who are all serving God and living out their purpose. My wife and I have been able to create a legacy for future generations of our family that's completely different than the generations that came before us. But all of this, the life change, the legacy, the ministry to thousands of families, all of it started with an invitation to a struggling, confused man who was bitter to its church. It was an invitation that led to my life-altering decision on that Easter Sunday. An invitation from one imperfect person to another imperfect person. To an angry, vengeful human being who became a peace-loving believer. An invitation to an Irish drunk with a chip on his shoulder and a bottle in his hand who became a forgiving, loving, sober man with a passion for God's word. It was an invitation to a lost and dying sinner who found his purpose and led thousands to Christ. As I stand here before you today, I can say with all sincerity that my life was changed forever because of that one invitation. How many more stories could there be like this if each of us would just do the same? That one invitation could have more of an impact on the world than you could possibly imagine. Woo! Yeah, come on. Thank you, Pastor Allen. What a great story. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Pastor Allen. I think about this. Sunday's Easter. Thank you. You may be seated. It's time to love like we've never loved. It's time to invite like we've never invited. It's time to share the wealth of the goodness of God and the riches of grace found in the risen King Jesus. Our success won't be measured next Sunday, ultimately by the number of people that we fill this auditorium five times in an overflow room in the cafe. 
But our success will not be measured by that. But it will be measured by this question. Did we make things happen and make the most of the present? That's the wrong one, guys. Did we do the best we could to make the most of this present opportunity to share Jesus with as many people as possible? That's how we measure the success of next week. What I love about you, this congregation, is the enormous inviters that you are. When I tell pastors around the United States the numbers of guests, visitors, the number of people that you bring to church, they're blown away. The amount of people that you feel so comfortable bringing into this very different environment because you know we'll never embarrass them. You know we'll make them feel welcome. You know we'll make them feel like a million bucks. You know they're going to hear something that'll help them and change their lives. That's how we can make the most of an opportunity. The Super Bowl of Christianity is next week. How many more Pastor Allens are there? How many more of your friends, people very different than you, people that you don't know what it is about their destiny that is waiting for them to happen, but all they need as an encounter with God? Here's what I know about the potential of Easter. Here's what I know what happens when you invite a guest to Easter service. People need Jesus. The good news needs to be heard. There's a population that absolutely needs Jesus. It's church they're angry about. They don't have an issue with Jesus. They have an issue with people. They have an issue with church, with religion, but they need Jesus. And the good news needs to be heard. The good news needs to go from us to someone else. It's not just for a few. It's not for the elite. It's not for a special few or just the good-looking ones. It's for everyone. Jesus rose from the dead for everyone to hear the good news. Let me tell you something. Of all the days, Easter, Christmas, people are very receptive. All they're waiting for is an invitation. All they're waiting for is you to go the extra mile. All they're waiting for is for you to love them enough to tell them, the importance of this one important day. And finally, the reason we invite many guests as possible is we who believe are stewards of grace. I want to be a good steward of the grace of God. I've been transformed. You've been transformed by that grace. Millions of us have been transformed by that grace. How could we keep it to ourselves? How could we not be good stewards of the, of the enormous grace of God. And, and thank God for the, the, the love of God that cares so much about us. I've been a recipient of it. Amen. And so have you. What are we going to do about it? You know what we're going to do? We're going to ask big. You know why? Jesus is worthy of it. You know why? Your friend, family, co-worker, someone very different than you, they're worthy of the big ask. They're worthy of you trusting God and standing your ground and believing for them. Because remember our big takeaway today. God can make things happen you could not make happen. He's already placed abundance in your future. 
Take the limits off God. And let's ask big. Let's ask big. Let's believe it's our birthday. Let's believe we can make a demand on a God that just like he loved you unconditionally, he loves your friend and your family and your neighbor and that person struggling. He loves them. All they're waiting for is an invitation to hear the best news, the good news that Jesus is no longer dead and nothing is too dead for resurrection. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Will you give God praise today for his love for you? Come on, will you give God praise today for his loving kindness and his tender mercies? Will you thank him today that you're in your right mind today? You're redeemed of the Lord today. You're on your way to heaven. Come on, don't stop. You're blessed. You're fortunate. You're to be envied today all because of Jesus all because of perhaps somebody invited you, somebody prayed for you, somebody asked big of God on your behalf. I know many of us have names out there on that wall today. I want us to begin right now, just for a moment. Will you begin to pray for those names, the names that you wrote down, the names that other people have wrote, written down? Will you just, let's pray right now. Come on, open up your heart. Thank God for these names today. Come on, let's pray. Pray out loud. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe for the harvest. You pray your prayer. We believe for the harvest. We believe, Father God, that you're going to move by your spirit. We believe that those names matter to you. Amen. All those names, friends, family, co-worker, people that we don't even know, but we know they need Jesus. Come on, bless them. Pray for them. Ask big today. Come on, ask big today. Father, I ask you, the God of abundance, I don't want to pray a sick prayer. I don't want to pray a miserable prayer. I don't want to pray a weak prayer. I want to pray a bold prayer. I dare to ask for their salvation. I dare, Father God, because you are the the Lord of the harvest. And we pray to you, Lord of the harvest, because we know the harvest is white and ready to be harvested. And we ask you, Lord of the harvest, to go forth and send forth laborers across their path in Jesus' name. We call those names saved. We call those lives changed. We thank you for destiny in their lives. Generations that will be transformed because of one invitation, because of one salvation, because we believe together. We're going to stretch ourselves and we're going to believe God, Father God, for your highest and best in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, thank him. Say amen today. We believe, Father God, you can do this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, please. Everybody praying with me. You that are joining me online today, pray with me, please. Perhaps you're here today, and you don't know this Jesus that we talked about in a personal way. You don't know him as Lord and Savior. You know him as a a man in the Bible, a teacher, a rabbi. Maybe you even understand and know, you've heard that he died on the cross for your sin and he suffered. And he died and he didn't stay dead. And he wants to come and live inside of your heart today. He wants to forgive you from your sin. He wants to help you and your destiny and your plan come to pass. 
He wants to give you a new beginning. He wants you to know that you can be forgiven from your sin and have a brand new lease on life and start brand new just like Pastor Alan did. Just like Alan, a regular man like you, regular human being who had an encounter with a good God and his life was never the same. It's your turn. God doesn't just love Pastor Alan more than you. God is an equal opportunity redeemer. He cares about all of us today. You say, Pastor, pray for me, please. I need this Jesus. I'm ready to open up my heart. I need my sins forgiven. I want to make sure heaven is my home. If that's you today, I want to pray for you. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to acknowledge your need for God by simply raising your hand up high. Put it down saying, that's me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. Anybody like that? Raise it up. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Thank you. All the way in the back, I see it. Thank you on the side. Thank you. Thank you. I see it. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, I see it, sir. Thank you. God bless you. Good for you. I love it. Hands are going up with all sincerity. Who else today? Anybody else? Say, that's, that's me, Pastor. I, I am so ready to have a new beginning. I'm so ready to believe this God that has such abundance in store for me. Yes, ma'am, I see it. Thank you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Who else? I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart, but today is my day. I'm ready for the first time in my life to turn my life over to Jesus and allow Him to be the Lord and Master and Savior of my life. If you're joining us online, I want you to do the same today. Anybody else before I pray? Raise it up high. I'm ready, Pastor. Today's my day. Thank God for all those hands that went up today. God bless you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Good for you. Who else? Raise it up high today. I'm so ready for Jesus. I'm so ready for a new beginning. I'm so ready for a brand new life. Anybody else at all? All of us pray together, please. You join me online. Pray this together. Father, in Jesus' name, I need you, Jesus. I'm tired of doing it my way. I need a brand new life. I need to be forgiven for my sin. I believe that, that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, you're alive and well. I repent from my sin. I ask you to forgive me. I declare you as my Lord and Savior. I denounce my past. And from this day forward, I will serve you all the days of my life. And from this day forward, every day is my birthday. And I'm going to ask bold. And I'm going to be strong. I'm going to dare to believe that you're a God of abundance. I bless you. Thank you for blessing me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give God praise today. Come on, praise Him today. Woo! Thank you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. You're so good. You're so good. As Pastor Mo comes to close the service today, I do want to say something about this new series. I really would like for you to join us to read the book together. I know this is very different. And I know that maybe you've never done this before. But I would ask you to either buy the book here or get online. You heard the advertisement. I so believe in this next series. I so believe it's the next step for the 
hundreds of people that will be coming to visit us on Easter Sunday to get them to come back. Because who doesn't want to live their life on a higher plane? Who doesn't understand their own mortality and how short life is? And if we really, really understood what it means to only had one month to live, how would we live? So whether or not you're a good reader or you like to read, man, join us. Please buy the book. Get it ahead of time so that we can start this four-part series. And I'm telling you, it's going to be life-altering. It's going to be destiny-altering. Those are big words, but I believe that. So thank you for cooperating with us and believe with us because it'll change and transform this congregation. God bless you. Thank you.